Good afternoon, good morning, good evening, depending on what time of day you're listening to this. Welcome to what I think we're going to call the Unmade Bed. It's a podcast that will really be about anything and everything that sort of takes my fancy during the week and possibly takes the fancy of my guests as well. My uh, my name is Adrian. Uh, friends in radio used to call me Ado when I was doing that job a long time ago, but I'm pretty much out of practice and therefore a little bit nervous about doing this podcasting thing. It's quite something to come into when you're already 46 years of age and the world is starting to pass you by. Um, I will now introduce you to my very first guest who is swaying from side to side like she's in the We Are The World music video by USA <laughs> USA for Africa, my uh, dearly beloved wife Bree. Say hello Bree. Hello Bree. Uh, that was to be expected. Um, all right, let's start by talking with one thing that really, really got on my nerves during the week. Indicators and people refusing to use them. I worry, Bree, that uh, as cars have got smarter and you've now got blind spot monitoring and lane departure assist and reversing cameras and everything, I worry that, that people have basically stopped giving a shit about their driving and they're now thinking that their car is actually going to get them out of any scrape that they find themselves in. Do you think that's a fair comment? Uh, yeah, that's that can be a fair comment, although, mind you... Some of the people who you see who are not indicating are in, in uh, no such smart car. Uh, in fact, in a clapped out old ute most of the time. But Yeah, well, no, I, I saw somebody in a late model car driving through Newtown here in Hobart during the week. Um, I followed them for a couple of minutes because we were both going in the same direction. And there were three different intersections where there were right turns and left turns. And they completely just... You can't... Okay, if you don't do it once, then you can say you forgot to indicate. I'm guilty, as guilty of that as anybody. But if you go through five separate intersections, including one roundabout, and you don't use your indicators once, then to me, you've got a problem. Oh, yeah. 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 Yeah, absolutely. So uh, if you're listening to this podcast while you're driving, for God's sake, Please use your indicators. Thank you. This has been a community service announcement. Well, it is uh, election time here in Australia. According to the latest data from uh, from the Australian Electoral Commission, something like 15% of people have already cast their votes, be it uh, pre-poll vote, uh, various places where you can vote early, or through uh, mail-in through an absentee ballot. Now, um I have to say, I think, uh, Bree, you and I are, I don't want to say part of a dying breed, but we're both going to actually vote on the day, aren't we? We're going to vote on Saturday. That's correct, yes. Yes. Is there a reason why you choose to vote uh, on the day as opposed to getting it out of the way early? Well, there's probably two things to consider. The first one being that simply it's, it's convenient for me to to go and vote on a Saturday morning. Mm -hmm. uh, the, the second one is that there's a small part of me that would much prefer my vote to be uh, counted in the evening count on the ABC so that Anthony Green's got something to talk about. Because if you vote early, then your vote comes in two weeks later. Mm, that's uh, 
yeah, look, that that's fair enough. And I think the last thing that anyone wants is for us to be uh, waiting for uh, two weeks uh, to find out uh, who won the damn thing because I remember going back to 2010. I remember how 2010 dragged on and then it was a case of yep. who are the independents going to support. And, I mean, look, it was... Well, let's face it, it was piss funny in the end when uh, Tony Abbott got screwed over right at the last minute, but I don't think the the uh, the nation wants to go through that sort of torture again. We would like a result uh, on the night. Um, if there's one benefit of Australia over the United States, it's that we tend to be able to get the result on the night and not have it just go on and on and on interminably. Someone, whoever's losing... It'll be a case of uh, grab your drinks and wait for someone on the party of whoever's losing to say, oh, well, look, we could always come back on the postal votes. And that's what, uh, knowing that, generally speaking, postal votes favour the Liberal Party is what I, I get concerned about. So you think there's a real chance that this time with the sheer amount of postal votes that there'll be seats where the Liberals could actually legitimately mount a postal vote comeback? If fifteen, if if we're looking at fifteen percent of postal votes, and we are, and yes, we've got seats that are marginal enough, which there probably will be. Yeah. Then yeah, I think that's a that's a, a real danger. Although, what I'm hoping is that enough seats get won on the night that we don't have to sit back and wonder for two weeks that whether that's going to happen. Yeah, yeah, that's fair enough. All right, well. We probably need to talk about the polls. There was a, another news poll came out last night that uh, had it uh, 54-46 in favour of Labor. Now, I don't think anybody really believes that Labor could win 54% of the two-party preferred vote next Saturday. Only to take uh, the, the most recent precedent, if you like, Bob Hawke, when Bob Hawke, and if you read the history books, it says that Bob Hawke swept to power in 1983. He gave the uh, coalition a flogging. He got 53.5% of the two-party preferred vote. Now, I don't think anyone can, thinks that uh, Albo is Bob Hawke. Do you really think that there could be a result like that uh, next Saturday? And is there still a possibility that... All the polls, literally all the polls are wrong and somehow Scotty pulls out a second miracle from his backside. Right, well, I, knowing that... Look, I've, I've done some studies of statistics and, and, and the way that statistics are gathered. I, I'm not... I'm less... You know, I, I haven't studied politics as such. Mm-hmm. But from my... Under- I have. Yes, you have. Yes, thank you. <laughs> but from my understanding from a statistic point of view... The, 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 the people who do the polls have made, have worked out what their mistakes were last time yep and have put in some things in place to to try and you know counteract that yep um, the art of polling uh, and uh, interpreting polls does have a name it's called sophology um, I happen to read a couple of sophology blogs one of them was saying today that there is actually, some people believe there is a risk actually that um, they may have overcooked the Liberal vote this time because people are saying, oh, 54-46, you'll never get a federal election with that sort of result. What people need to understand is that at some state elections over the past 10 to 20 years, 
there's been results that have actually been worse than that. I mean, you've had one election in Queensland where Campbell Newman became Premier where they literally wiped out the Labor Party down to just a handful of seats. And then I think at the next election, Labor did the same thing back to Campbell Newman. Um, Western Australia at the last election, McGowan, his, his opposition in, in Western Australia is quite literally nothing. I mean... Dan Andrews has been getting uh, two-party preferreds in the high 50s. Admittedly, he doesn't really have much to go against, but you can only beat the opposition that's in front of you. Well, I think everybody on the uh, Labor side will be glued to the ABC uh, next Saturday night. Let's face it, nobody who really cares about politics is going to be watching Sky News, are they? I wouldn't imagine so, no. Yeah. You can you can just imagine who Sky News is going to drag. I'd like to see their panel if, yeah. Okay, so let's take bets on the Sky News election panel. Obviously, Kieran Gilbert will anchor because he's about the only sane one left. Right, so you'll have Kieran Gilbert, you'll inevitably have Peter Credlin. Yep. All right, you'll have Paul Murray. Now, depending on how election night goes for the LNP, Paul Murray could really be worth watching. He could quite literally explode if the Libs get rolled. Um, he's been getting, uh, getting increasingly, increasingly agitated because the polls just will not turn for the Liberals. Um, so who's that? So we've got, yeah, Credlin, Paul Murray. Uh, who, are you, who are your guests? Who are your guests? So you need some political guests to well, come in. Do, you know, is, is Craig Kelly... Is Craig... Oh. Are you going to go straight for a Craig Kelly or... Uh, or something like that on your Sky News panel? Or are you going to pretend like uh, you're, you're not uh, quite so biased and... Yeah, I just don't. I don't know who. It's hard to think. Hard to think, in terms of current politicians, uh, who they'd get in. I mean, I'm still thinking that you. I would have said Alan Jones, but Alan and Sky don't quite have a relationship anymore. So no. I think we can discount AJ. Um, something tells me Bronwyn Bishop will stick a beak in there somewhere. Well, that's a possibility. Yes. Yeah. Yes, yeah. Um, as far as, uh, as as far as sitting government members go, uh, I think most of them are going to be too busy actually out defending their own uh, seats until six o'clock to be bothered about going onto an election broadcast. Let's just say that we'll just uh, sit back and sit back and wait and see what Sky News has. ABC. Well, something tells me Penny Wong. Something tells me Penny Wong will be part of the. Uh, ABC election night coverage. Yeah. I'm thinking you're Penny Wong. Uh, now we've got to come up with a, probably a moderate liberal senator who doesn't hate the ABC or maybe who does hate the ABC and is a masochist. Yeah, see, I, I can't even think of a name because such a person is is inconsequential. Mm, mm, mm. Um, of course, here in Tasmania, some of the uh, real excitement in the uh, in the Senate race uh, is the fact that uh, 
Former Liberal Party favourite Erica Betts has the basically unwinnable number three spot on the Liberal ticket at this election. Um, I read something today, uh, I don't know whether you saw it, it was it was in the Mercury, so it must be true. Um, apparently, Erica Betts has recorded the most last votes of any politician in the history of the Australian Senate. There is no other person that has been placed last on more ballot papers than Erica Betts. That's, yep. Yep. That's been the case for the past two, at least two or three At least two elections. or three elections, yeah. yeah. Um, he's, got, uh, he's got some competition, though, this time. Um, one Nation's lead candidate uh, for the Senate in, in Tasmania is a guy named Steve Mav. Um, sorry, I should have probably given a warning on that because I can guarantee that at least one Tasmanian listener driving in their car possibly tried to drive off the road at the point that I mentioned uh, Steve Mav's name. Uh, we're surprised actually that nobody actually has tried to run him over because Steve's favourite thing to do is to take a big, I guess, core flute placard billboard and stand out on highways, on the highway verges or in the highway medians, and just stand there and wave madly. And he thinks that all the people beeping at him are beeping their support. Well, surely he's not that naive. No, typically if... Uh, I don't think I've beeped at him, but uh, it, it does take a little bit of willpower to not swerve to, yeah. to purposefully hit him. Try and run him over. Yeah, so... Well, I mean, look, it, it, it's, a, it's, it's a battle to see who gets the most last-place votes. Now, I reckon Steve Mav will get more last-place votes than Eric, and you're of the opposite opinion, aren't I you? I think Eric is, is, is a shoe-in again. All right. Especially given that he's now actively telling people to vote below the line. So, sure, Eric, let's do that again. <laughs> and we'll put you last again. Mm. And it's funnier. Unfortunately, we don't normally get much in the way of Senate results on election night, so we might have to wait a few days for that one. The other interesting thing that happened during the week was uh, the fact that for the first time in, I don't know, what, 50 years since Prince Edward was born... The Queen did not deliver the Queen's speech at the opening of the British Parliament. It was the Prince of Wales, Prince Charles. It poses the question, the Queen must be really sick if she can't make it to the opening of Parliament. Well, yes, she's 96 years old. Well, yes, but she managed to make it there last year when she was 95. Things, things have obviously gotten much worse. Well... Look, potentially, but but also, uh, it's she's not. She could still be a reasonable health, but there could be something that's preventing her from being able to to speak in the, the way that she wants to, or that she mm. would normally like to. Because mm. um, they're citing mobility issues. They're citing the fact that yes. Because the Houses of Parliament are so old, admittedly they have made modifications over the years to make it more accessible. But uh, basically uh, it was thought that it would be uh, too much of an effort, physical effort on the Queen's behalf to get to where she needed to be in the chamber. Um, 
And so she's delegated that authority. That's right, because she, uh, you know, throughout her reign, she's been very conscious of her image. Mm -hmm. And she would not want to be seen to be, you know, she she certainly would not want to be wheeled somewhere in, you know, in a wheelchair. Um, yeah, true. She doesn't want to be, she wouldn't want to be on, you know, a walking frame. She, none of, none of that, <clears throat> none of that's going to be acceptable to her mm-hmm. to, for, for a, at least for an official engagement. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I, I don't think she quite, she's, I don't think she's so vain that she would never want to not, you know, be seen yeah. with, with some sort of mobility aid. She mm-hmm. would recognize that's fine. Mm. But for a, an official, you know, business, like, yeah. like you know, the opening of Parliament, yeah. that I think... One her, of her constitutional duties. That would not be, yeah. it's, that's not acceptable. And <clears throat> secondly, you know, why not put Charles in? Mm. Um, mm. You know, he's, mm. you know, just, you know, look, let's say Her Majesty lives till, till 100 or 100 and something, mm. um, which is quite... Possible the Queen Mother. What was the Queen Mother? One hundred and one. I think so. Yeah, something like that. Yep. So, you know, look, it's 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 quite plausible that she'll that she'll continue to to live, but she's going to want to start handing things over to him. Yeah. um, During that time. Yeah, there was some talk uh, during the week here in Australia, uh, some suggestions on social media that, oh, what if the Queen died this week? Would that mean that they'd have to delay the election? Um, the answer to that is no, because if there's one thing that the monarchy does have in place, it is continuity. Literally, the second that the Queen drops off the perch, Charles becomes king. No one has to say anything, really. No one has to do anything. Normally, someone will say, the Queen is dead, long live the King, but that's it. There's all sorts of formal things that have to happen parliaments are meant to the parliaments of the commonwealth are meant to meet did you know that the parliaments of the commonwealth are meant to meet to uh, officially vote on charles becoming uh the next monarch but uh Austra- i'm interested to see when the, the last time that happened is well i suppose well the last time it happened was would be when queen elizabeth but exactly but right did, did, it, did it happen did every single parliament of the commonwealth I'll have to look that up. Put it this way, if you believe what happened in The Crown, then certainly um, in that episode of The Crown where King George VI dies, the Parliament goes and sits and endorses the Queen as the Queen. But, I mean, let, let's face it, The Crown took a little bit of licence on quite a few things. Yeah, well, that's, yes. Yeah. Cool. You know, it's a, it's a, it was a um, dramatisation. So true. Actually, one of uh, Bree's favourite movies so far this year has been uh, the Diana Spencer. Would you call it a biopic? Do you think it's based on truth or fantasy? The one that Kristen Stewart's in. Yeah, it was based on kernels of truth. It wasn't based. Kernels of truth. Yeah, it was. You know, there was things in there that were. You know that were based off the off real life some of the you know obviously the, the some of the people who were in it mm-hmm. apart from you know diana spencer was, yeah um you know like because it, it didn't really involve uh it, there was you know the other uh, members of the royal family were in it but they were yeah. almost bit parts yeah yeah and the, the other main characters were more some of the servants and, mm. and things like that and i believe that they were definitely based on 
mm. on real people. And Kristen Stewart surprised you, didn't she? Yeah, because I, you know, I'm not. I, I, I don't know anyone who's ever said that they're a fan of Kristen Stewart, but uh, yeah, true. Up, up, but um, no, she she played the role very well. Mm, mm. Was deserving of all the award nominations and various trinkets and trophies that went her way. Yeah. Yes. Speaking of uh, entertainment and music, uh, Eurovision Song Contest, the grand final takes place late tonight, early tomorrow morning, Australian time. Once again, Australia does have its contestant in the final. I've got to say, I was a bit surprised. I thought we'd get knocked out at the semi-final stage. Yeah, no, look, I think the song was the, the, the song is good enough. It's it look n- n- zero chance of of actually winning the damn thing, but um, Sheldon Riley's the guy's name that's competing for Australia, isn't it? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So you know, I've seen I've seen I didn't watch it live, but um, I've I've you know watched all the the semi final yeah videos, and you know he did stand out as being uh, a song that was the the. The, the lyrics of the song are quite relevant to mm. to to this year particularly um his, l- his the staging is excellent that's probably yeah. sort of part of the, the the what what's uh what helped yeah. um, and he's 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 got a terrific voice and people mm. people will vote on that so mm. so uh, what's the uh having seen all the semi-finalists what's the overwhelming musical style of Eurovision this year what what are most what are most songs trying to do? Look, there's quite a few novelty songs. Oh. Um, with a bit of a return of the novelty songs, they've probably been missing a little bit in the past, say, five years. Yeah, so people are trying to lighten things up. Yes. Okay. There's a definite, yeah. Yeah. And no, I sort of say novelty songs. You know, some of them might, I think, you know, novelty might be overstating it, but at least they're, they're lighter Sort of like Waterloo by Ever when that yeah it's yeah, okay. just a nice nice light song yep that that people can enjoy yep and that actually includes the Ukrainian entry entry yes because there's been a lot of talk uh, in the lead up to Eurovision of course uh, Russia's been banned from competing this year but all the talk is that um, Ukraine basically all they have to do is turn up and they'll win. You're not quite of that opinion, are you? You think they'll do very, very, very well in the public vote, but it's not just the public vote that gets you the win in Eurovision, as we found out with Dummy Im a couple of years ago from Australia. Yeah, that's right. The jury has also got a vote. Hmm. Now, having said that, um, you know, the Ukrainian, even before the the, the invasion started, yeah, um, the Ukrainian song had already been decided and was considered you know regarded quite well was getting traction so to speak okay so it's it's you know it's by no means a you know a terrible song or anything like that it's you know it's not it's not if it wins it's not entirely undeserving it would have gotten um a fair few votes anyway Mm -hmm. so yeah i guess it's remains to be seen you know i think um who do you think will win Look, it's it's hard. It's it's really hard to say that Ukraine won't win. Yeah. At this point. Uh huh. But having said that, you know, the, the, whoever the the favourites don't always win. So. Yeah. All right. The, the, look, there's a, you know, even even with the public vote, people you know might think that oh well, you know, others will vote for Ukraine, and there's certainly 
Yeah, well, uh, from you know comments I've seen on YouTube and and things like that. There's people mm. who are sort of going, well, hang on, let's we can't just vote for Ukraine because yeah. of, because we feel sorry for them. No, see, nobody really thought that Italian uh, rock band was going to win last year, did they? They sort of really came from the clouds, so to speak. Oh, look, everyone loved the song. Yeah. Um, and you know, and, and loved the band. Yeah. But the the you know you 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 top you know you. France, Italy, yeah. UK, yeah. you know, they, they typically don't win because... No, no. Which I guess brings us to the ultimate question about Eurovision this year. Have you heard the uh, entry from the United Kingdom and is it going to score any points? It'll actually, it, it'll at least score some points. You're serious? Yeah. It's a really good song. Okay, describe, so what we're talking sort of more upbeat, we're ballad, what temp, what... What territory musically are we in? It's a it's a little more sort of I guess a little upbeat. It's a little bit uh, more unusual. Um, it's the the singer has come from like a you know reality kind of TV singing competition. I think. Um, when you say reality TV, you're not talking like the X Factor or yeah, something like that. Oh, okay, it's, yeah, right. something like that. Right. Um, but it's just it's a it's a it's a good song. Mm. It is literally a. It is legit a good song. Mm. So okay, well, um, the I, the chances of the UK coming dead last is, I think that's that's just not going to happen. All right. Um, I, I think if if it was anyone but the UK with a song like that, they'd be in the mix as being a potential winner. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's it's still the UK, so that's still yeah. I'm gonna uh, yeah. It's it's, it's still. Uh, unlikely to to be in the top five yeah but it, it's it's uh certainly i would say it's not going to embarrass itself yeah. this time all right well i guess we'll find out soon enough uh one thing in music that Bray and i like to look at uh, when it comes out each thursday is um the um australian record industry association or aria uh, does an aria charts flashback which they post uh, every thursday night about five o'clock uh, they basically do a sort of a like the old countdown videos, a, a top ten compilation, just excerpts of uh, all the songs that were number one on this uh, particular week in, in a year going back in time. Now, uh, some compilation weeks are better than others. Uh, the chart that they played out on Thursday night, and we're not going to actually play it because. Uh, copyright infringement and we'll end up getting a pants suit on our debut episode don't want that to be the case uh the number ones actually we'll go through the top 10 so the top 10 number 10 this week in 1987 which was grade six for me what were you grade five four or five four yeah. or five all right number 10 was robbie neville say la v not a bad song does still get occasional airplay. Number nine, The Cockroaches, She's the One. In their uh, pre-Wiggles guys, that's who The Cockroaches ended up becoming, The Wiggles. Uh, George, Michael and Aretha Franklin, Knew You Were Waiting For Me, was at eight. At number seven, a song we both looked at each other and were like, what the hell? Stacey Q, We Connect. I know that she had top ten hits. There was another one, Two of Hearts, but... Yeah, I'm familiar with Two of Hearts, but I've never heard this song before. Yeah, well, 
obviously it made the top ten. It was at number seven. Uh, number six, Shantuzzi's Witch Queen. Early in their career, Shantuzzi's just basically did cover songs. They, they were sort of like a glorified pub band. But as far as versions of Witch Queen go, not bad. Uh, number five, this has got Molly Meldrum written all over it. Man to Man Meet Man Parish with Male Stripper. It is Euro Disco. If you want the perfect slice of Euro Disco from 1987, Male Stripper. Of course, Rage would never play it these days. It'd be... The lyrics are something to behold. Put it that way. Uh, number four, Hoodoo Gurus. What's my scene? They were there with a bullet. Number three, Living on a Prayer, Bon Jovi. Number two was Europe, The Final Countdown. Hate that song. You? Oh, I don't mind it. Don't mind it. Of course, hair metal is one of Bree's uh, secret pleasures. Number one was Boom, Boom, Let's Go Back to My Room by Paul Carcass. What a travesty. That's a good song. You like it. Okay. Um, one of the big entries of, of the week, um, and I actually had to look up the video for this to recognise the song, was uh, Big Love by Fleetwood Mac. Made, uh, 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 well, a big move on the chart up to number 22 this week back in 1987. It's... Um, one of those songs, if you were to say to someone, name the hits of Fleetwood Mac, I don't think many people are going to put big love in there, but... No, and I think from memory, Tango in the Night was an album where both Stevie and... Well, I think Christine wasn't... It? Christine was even in the band at that point, or was... Uh, she was, because she was still in the, no, Everywhere and Little Lies were both hits off Tango in the no, Night. Oh, that's right, yeah. Yeah, so... But uh, Stevie was certainly not... Uh, not not a major songwriter on that album. Well, no, she was out of her brains on cocaine most of the time. Yeah. 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 Yeah, so the songs that Stevie did sing, um, Seven Wonders, they had to do multiple, 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 multiple takes of Seven Wonders because... And even then, I believe the, uh, the, the, the line all the way down to Emmeline... Yeah was that's not the line oh but they they just couldn't get her to actually to actually sing the proper line oh okay so they because it makes no sense no it makes zero sense <laughs> and right the, the the story that i've heard is that they could not get her to sing i don't i don't know what it was meant to be yeah but uh that's that's what she kept singing and they went you know what we're just going to go with it yeah i've actually heard that story too and and in the in the bit just after the chorus she sings she goes, Sarah, or, or something like that. Believe it or not, your story is correct. And they actually ended up having to give Stevie Nicks a writing credit on the song for those bits that she just threw in because she was off her mind on uh, nose candy. Yeah. Yeah. Um, interestingly, the, the big debut of... This week, back in 1987, it debuted at number 49, but it wouldn't stay there for long. Starship, Nothing's Gonna Stop Us Now, from the movie Mannequin. Have you ever watched Mannequin? I love Mannequin. It's actually one of my favourite movies. Now, I'm going to guess that you love Mannequin because of one of the stars, Estelle Getty. Estelle Getty is in there. Um, Kim Cattrall's, obviously. A very young and sexy very, Kim Cattrall. Yes. Yes. But I, I don't know why. It's look, it's just it's just a movie that I I must have seen it probably on VHS. Yep. Um, around around that time, and yeah. I just I just liked the idea of it. The yeah, I mean the <laughs> the premise. Um, 
basically um, spirit of uh, Egyptian hot-headed young princess um, inhabits mannequin in uh, what New York City store window. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, it's completely ridiculous. But yeah. It's just you know I, I I don't know. It's it's one of those. I sort of I have a bit of a a liking of romantic comedies. Yeah. But, um, and it's just one that uh, at a young age I went oh I quite I quite like this. Mm. Uh, mm. Mm. Yes, probably ended up the song ended up being bigger than the film in a way. Yeah. Yeah. No one talks about mannequin as a classic these days, but nothing's going to stop us now. Well, no. yeah, huge. That's why I picked it for our, one of our wedding songs. So. Did you? Yeah. I was I was at that wedding. I can't recall. <laughs> oh, you know, I had, I had a quite a well, there was quite a few of them, but yeah. it was on there. Oh, you mean those songs that played while everybody was eating? Yeah. Okay. Really, it was on there. Yeah. Right. Yep. You were basically in charge of that mixtape, weren't you? I was. You 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 threw in a few songs. Yeah. But a few Ado classics. Anyone yeah. who worked with me in radio knows what I like, but um No. Okay. Well, there you go. I must have been occupied doing something, probably talking to people. Mm. And congratulations are due to Ukraine, who did go on to win the Eurovision Song Contest on Sunday morning. Hey, we've got an email address. If you did like or hated the Unmade Bed, just email unmadebed22 at gmail.com and we might catch you next time.